Thank you, praise team. Do you appreciate all the work they do? I do. So what's your big dream uh, for 2018? What are you wanting to see God do in your life? What are you, what's the big dream? If there was one thing that, that you wanted to see happen in 2018, what would it be? Now, now, last week I invited you to think about God's big dream for our church. I believe God has a big dream for our church. Do you? <laughs> I think God wants to do something in us and through us that's beyond our own ability. And, and so I invited you to begin praying over the next 30 days. God, what is your big dream for Marysville Church of the Nazarene? What, what would you like to accomplish in our midst? And, and my prayer is that at the end of 2018, we will have seen God move in such a way that we cannot deny that it was God that moved and not us. But we have individual big dreams. And, and, I, and I believe in your big dreams, they'll, they'll be achieved in small everyday activities. It won't be the big events of life. It'll be in the small routine, the habits of life, in the, in, in the individual relationships that you have with, with those that you love, with, with your neighbors, with you, the, your co-workers, with, with your family, those individual relationships and the habits of life will create 2018 and, and the 2018 that we desire. Last week we began to talk about spiritual disciplines and, and spiritual disciplines are the things we do to, to feed our inner being. And, and our small groups are using Ortberg's book, book, The Life You've Always Wanted. And we've been examining these individual um, spiritual disciplines. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're plugged into a small group of some type. If you're not... Uh, on Sunday afternoons, we, we eat together and, and then we will have a small group um, time of, of discussion. On Sunday night, Pastor Bob is going through the same material. On Wednesday night, I'm going through the same material. So there's, there's all sorts of places that you could plug in. Uh, Todd Gates, our United Methodist pastor, has been with us for a couple of years now. Uh, Todd is opening up his home on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you would like to plug into his group, see me and, and we will give you information so that you can be part of his groups, his group, but spiritual disciplines, we're, we're looking at that in the small group, smart groups, but, but spiritual disciplines are empty if they are not embodied. In, in other words, uh, last week we did the experiment where we, where we breathed together, we breathed in and breathed out. Spiritual disciplines are breathing in, and then there is a breathing out. Life happens when we breathe in and breathe out. And so if we only receive spiritual dif disciplines, if we only take them in, we become consumers only of God. And God does not desire just consumers, but He wants us to be conduits in which His Spirit can come into us and through us. That He can bless us so that we can be a blessing. Spiritual disciplines must be embodied. It's, it's not just the point to, to read your Bible. It's not just the, the point to, to pray, and, but, but somehow these things must flow out of us. And so how do we embody spiritual disciplines? How, how do we become conduits? How do we allow God to flow not only in us, but through us so that we can bless other folks? And this morning we're going to talk about the first one of those, and it's Sabbath. Now, now Sabbath is, in a lot of ways, a different type of giving. And, and some of you are saying, well, S Sabbath is not doing anything, or Sabbath is, is taking in. And there is a taking in element of Sabbath, but, but I'm convinced that Sabbath is giving as well. In Sabbath, 
We let go of our constant need of production. We, we, we let go, we give away our right to prove ourselves, to prove our own self-worth. And in the habit of Sabbath, we are giving away of ourselves. In, in return, we're receiving the blessing of rest and relaxation and revelation and relationship. All these things happen in the practice of Sabbath. Now, where, where I was going, this was part of my series early on because I, I think we need to hear about the, the concept of Sabbath more. It's, it's not something that typically we, we preach on or talk a lot about, but I think it's an important concept. And, and I knew I was going to include it in this series, and, and, and I had it from anywhere from the last week to the second week. And, and I just, as I thought about this ideal of Sabbath, I thought we needed to do it earlier in the series. Because I believe it's in this ideal of letting go of our right to prove ourselves, uh, to prove that we're right, to prove that we're worthy. And Sabbath is a habit that does that. It is in that letting go of self that we can truly begin to give to others. That until you're able to say, I don't have to prove myself, that it's very difficult to give away anything financially, to give away service, to, to, to give away forgiveness, to give thanksgiving to God, because you're constantly on that treadmill of trying to prove yourself and trying to earn more. And so I just came to the ideal, that, 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 to the realization that, that this is an important thing that we grasp hold of, this concept, this routine, this habit of Sabbath. I think in a lot of ways, Sabbath embodies Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, David writes that your loving kindness pursues me. That, that the love of God is trying to chase us down. And in Sabbath, we stop and just let the love of God overtake us. <laughs> and so even though it's a little bit of a different type of giving, and even though it, it may not seem all that significant, it is. So let me ask you, before we get into the, the meat of this, how do you relax? <laughs> well, what's your best way to relax? Who likes to vacation? Uh, more of you than that, I think. Who, after you get back from vacation, need to take a vacation from your vacation, right? You know, sometimes our relaxation can be harder th than just normal life, the routine of life. And I I'm reminded, has anybody ever seen, uh, let's do Who's heard of the Andy Griffith Show? Raise your hand. Who's never seen the Andy Griffith Show? Raise your hand. Everybody in this? Well, in the first, uh, we had a few that haven't. Okay. And they, you ever see the Andy Griffith Show where they have a preacher that comes to Mayberry and talks about how they don't rest on the Sabbath? Anybody ever seen that one? You know, it's really, a preacher is preaching in Mayberry about how they don't relax. If there's a more relaxed place on earth than Mayberry, I don't know what it is. And so this preacher comes in and preaches on it. And so they decide, You're, he's right, we need to relax more. We need to go back to our Sunday afternoon band concert and they work like crazy <laughs> to pull off this Sunday afternoon band concert and they wear themselves out. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that, aren't we? we? We wear ourselves out to relax. Now, work and production is good. Everybody said, amen. Work is good. Production's good. And it's, you know, God, he created man and woman and put them in the garden and he put them to work. 
He gave them a task. You know, I, I think we had this ideal, this concept that heaven means I'm going to sit on a, a cloud and, and pluck a harp. <laughs> I think there's going to be a level of production and work and meaning and purpose, even in heaven. I do. Because work and production is good. There's, there's nothing wrong with these ideals. But, but somehow things that are good can become God. Right? And when things that are good become God, over God, the things that are good no longer are good, but begin to harm us spiritually because they interfere with our relationship with God. Production can become our God. And truthfully, in our day and age, production, self-worth, our value, what we're able to do is, is the gauge by which many of us measure ourselves. You, you measure yourself by your ability to produce, your ability to do, your, your position at your work, how people perceive you, and that becomes your guide to your very soul, your very meaning. I think... Clint Eastwood can speak to us here. Clint Eastwood says, a man's got to know his limitations, right? <laughs> and we need to know our limitations. We, we, we need to know that we are limited. And Sabbath reminds us of our limitations. So let me ask you, is, is Sabbath about rest or about God? What do you think? It's both. Sabbath is about rest and about God. Both of these concepts, the, the ideal of space for God, the ideal for sp space for rest, are all present in the concept of Sabbath. We, we find the Sabbath and, the, and the, the, the command to keep the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments in two places, Exodus 29 through 11. This is when Moses first gets the, the Ten Commandments. He says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but at the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or your maidservant nor your animals nor the alien living within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God says in the Ten Commandments, he says, stop. On the seventh day, stop and remember that God is creator. You are not creator. You didn't create any of this. God is the giver of life. Then later in Deuteronomy, and, and this is Moses is recapping the Ten Commandments. They're, they're getting ready to go into the Promised Land, and, and Moses is going to tell them, or gives them once again the, the Ten Commandments. But when he talks about the Sabbath day, he gives a different reason. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the, the Exodus account says, remember the Sabbath, Sabbath day because God and God alone is creator. And then in Deuteronomy, Moses says, remember the Sabbath day because God and God alone is liberator. Sabbath causes us to pause and acknowledge that God is the giver of life. That, that life flows from God's hand, not my hand. It doesn't depend on me. It's not based on my production. It's not based on what I can do or what I've done or what I need to do. But life comes entirely from God. 
Now, now we live in an age where we are caught up in production. Uh, pastored people were caught up in production. And we begin to, to get this ideal that it all depends on, on me. Uh, anybody ever work at a job where you thought, man, this place will fall apart once I leave? And then you leave and it doesn't. Uh, it's kind of disappointing when that happens, but that's the truth. Life goes on. And so there's this, this, this truth to life that, that, that life does not depend on us, that, that it's all not based on our work and our production. And as a matter of fact, when we live in such a way that we believe it all depends on us, what we end up doing is just simply wearing ourselves out. Now, I've looked at the commandments in the course of my life. Sometimes I've seen them as restrictions. That, that, that somehow the commandments are these restrictions of things that we can't do. And I, and I think that's the wrong way of looking at the commandments. I think the commandments, commandments are more like guardrails that keep us out of ditches. That, that when God gives a command, it's, it's not because God is the, the great killjoy in heaven that He's wanting to take all life from you, but He's wanting to give us life. And particularly when you talk about the Sabbath... It's not that God is trying to keep you from anything, but God is trying to give you life. And, and it's a principle that if we build our life around, we find life, we don't lose life. Now, at the time of Jesus, Sabbath had became, become legalistic. And as a matter of fact, at the time of Jesus, the, the thought process was if, if we could keep, if the people of Israel could keep a perfect Sabbath it would usher in the age of Messiah. That, that, that somehow, if they could just do everything right, and they, and they begin to develop all these, these rules on, on what it meant to keep a Sabbath, how far you could walk, what you could build, what you could do, how you could eat, what, all those things. And, and, and Jesus had more conflict with the Pharisees over Sabbath probably than any other thing. And so in Matthew 12, you have this great example, and you can read this later. Jesus is walking through the fields with his disciples, and as they're walking, they're, they're, they're taking some of the grain, and they're eating it as they're walking. And, and, and this breaks the Sabbath because it is, it is harvesting. <laughs> and then he's with the Pharisees, and there's a man that needs to be healed, and, and, and to heal this gentleman would break the Sabbath, and Jesus breaks the Sabbath by healing this man. In Mark 2, Jesus says this. He says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What do you mean? See, the Sabbath is this time, this, this habit, this routine of healing and rest and space. And it's not just for the benefit of God, but it's for our benefit. See, Sabbath is a grace gift. It is God's care extended to His creation. Now, a couple things we need to see about Sabbath. First is, Sabbath is a faith statement. When in our lives we build this routine of Sabbath, when we build the habit of Sabbath, of rest, it is a faith statement. We are saying that life depends not on me, but it depends on God. 
That, that I could try to use this time for more production, to do more, to accomplish more, to prove my self-worth. I, I could do more in this time, but I am intentionally not because I realize that it's not based on my efforts and what I can do in my production, but life flows from God. Now, Sabbath is not just a day. Now, see, I, I think you can get caught up in just the day and, and get caught up in the routine of it, but, but Sabbath is more than that. It's a Sabbath attitude. And a Sabbath attitude joyfully lives within the reality of a gracious, loving God who provides for my every need. <laughs> and so this habit produces this attitude. And I think in, in the modern church, we, we focused on the attitude without addressing the routine and the habit. As if, let's say it this way. Can we have an attitude that loves the Scripture without reading the Scripture? <laughs> that, that, that's, that, that somehow we've, we've taken the habit of Sabbath, the routine of Sabbath, the actual practice of Sabbath and we've replaced it with an attitude and acted like it's okay if we don't do the practice. See, the practice leads to the attitude. The practice is not the point, but without the practice the attitude won't follow. Although Sabbath leads to an attitude, it begins in the routine of life. The routine is not the point. The, the habit is not the point. But the routine and the habit works on our attitudes and the way we perceive life. As a matter of fact, and with the Pharisees at the time of Jesus, the focus became on the habit and the routine. When we focus on the habit and the routine, we develop these legalistic views of Sabbath. But the point is not the routine, but the routine does lead to the attitude. Sabbath is intentionally letting go of what needs to be done to allow space for relationship with God and others. It's an intentional, it's a break in our life. It's a, it's a day on the calendar. It's intentional. Can I talk about Sunday morning? Sunday's not Sabbath, right? We understand that, that Sabbath was Saturday in the Jewish calendar. Um, so, so Sunday is not technically the Sabbath day by the Jewish law. And we're not bound by the Jewish law to the extent that because of grace. But, but Sunday is not Sabbath. But the, the Christian church has, has taken Sunday as Sabbath, uh, one of the reasons we, we worship on Sunday, why do we worship on Sunday? Jesus rose to life on Sunday. And so the, the Christian church historically has taken this Sunday as that Sabbath day, that day of rest. And, and, and years ago, does anybody remember blue laws? You know, there used to be blue laws where you couldn't buy and you couldn't sell um, on, on Sunday. And so the, the church has historically, the Christian church has historically taken Sunday as that day of rest. Um, but something's happening. <laughs> we're, we're beginning to see that practice, that routine, um, destroyed. Sunday morning worship 
is a prime space to practice Sabbath. The, the focus is on God. We are intentionally here focused on and worshiping God. Others are present. We can spend time in relationship. If you're in a Sunday school or a small group, you can spend time in relationship with others. It's an intentional space. We, we live ever so more in a secularized age where Sunday is less sacred to every part of the world. We, amen? And I understand the distractions of life, and I understand the pressures of life. And as a pastor, I never have guilt-tripped anyone on Sunday morning worship. I haven't. But if not Sunday morning, when? If, if, if you're not able to make it on Sunday morning, When? When are you gathering around the Word of God? When are you gathering with others? When are you leaving space to worship? Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That seems more prophetic the, the older I get, that it seems like as the day's approaching, it seems like the pressure to not gather seems greater. There's life demands. But the question is, is it really essential? You know, we, we intentionally provide two gatherings on Sunday morning, an 8.30 and a 10.50. So if you can't do the 10.50, can you do the 8.30? If you can't do the 8.30, can you do the 10.50? Can, can you find a space for a small group if somehow you can't make the Sunday morning? Do, do you have to really work that shift? Um, I'm going to say something, and I may not be popular for saying this, but I'm going to say it. More money is not enough an excuse. It's not. It never is, folks. More money is never an excuse to dishonor God and forget God and, and leave Him out of your life. If Sunday's not possible, when and how? Three things. Sabbath must be regular must be routine. You must create a habit. Can we acknowledge, though, it seems like things always break into our life? Uh, Saturday, believe it or not, Sunday's a work day for me. Some of you think this is the only day I work, but I work other days too. But I try to take Saturday as my Sabbath of rest. And it snowed uh, yes, uh, Friday, and I couldn't get Terry out to clear the driveway off, so I had to do it myself. It was funny, as I was shoveling the end of the driveway, you know what I thought? I thought, well, this is really good. I'm making a place for the emergency uh, team to get in and save me when I have my heart attack from shoveling the snow. <laughs> There's always things that happen, right? Can, can we acknowledge that, that distractions and, and needs pop up, and, and sometimes they're real, and sometimes we need to question whether they are real? And, you know, Jesus says, what man would have an ox and it's in the ditch, you wouldn't pull it out, right? And, and, and I've heard that excuse so many times, but, but if your ox gets in the ditch every Sunday morning, you maybe need to take care of your ox in a better way, okay? That, that there may be some planning you need to do. If you really want to accomplish this concept of Sabbath, maybe there's some planning that needs to happen in your life. Sabbath must include space for God.
It's not just about sitting in your easy chair with a remote and watching TV and, 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 and just doing your own thing. It's, it's not just sleeping all day, although sometimes sleep is the most important thing you can do. Anybody reading Ortberg's book? In his book, one of the first chapters, he talks about resting and sleeping. And, and he, he points to scriptures where it says that resting is a statement of faith. Uh, that, that the psalmist would write, I lay my head down and I go to sleep and I trust God. <laughs> For some of you, just closing your eyes and going to sleep and saying, it's out of my hand is a statement of faith. Has anybody out there woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and been up till 5 o'clock worrying? I have. And sometimes just to rest is a statement of faith. But, but Sabbath is more than just resting. It's, it's creating intentional space for God, extra space for God. God wants to be part of our day-to-day life, but on Sabbath, it's an extra special time, and you have extra time to include God in your life. And Sabbath must include space for others. Relationship. Seems like every time I get into the, the Gospels and start looking at it, relationship just hits us in the face, doesn't it? <laughs> we get caught up in producing and production, and, and, and it's all about relationship. It's all about love. It's about loving God, loving others. And Sabbath is a, is a routine, a habit that gives you space for God, gives you space for others, gives you space for the most important people in your life. We're going to close with an exercise today. So... Um, everybody, just close your eyes. You don't have to bow your head. Just close your eyes. And, and, and I want you to, to make fist. <laughs> don't hit anybody with them, okay? Make fist. And I want you to just imagine that in your hands, in your fist, you are holding the most important things you have to do, the things that are pressing the most on you, the things that you're worrying the most about. Maybe it's a relationship that that you want to see restored or a relationship that's been really harmful. Maybe it's the demands of work. Maybe it's the unfair demands of work. Maybe it's the unfair demands of family. Maybe it's your future financials. Maybe it's a sickness. But it's what what you're holding on, worrying about most. Put put them in those fists. And, And then lay your fist on your lap. And just open the palms of your hand. And imagine those things that you're carrying. They're just being lifted by God. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you are going through it today. I know that. Some of you, the pressure of life is just too much. Jesus invites us to rest in him. Maybe there's something you're dealing with that you just need to bring to an altar. Our altars are always available. They're great places. I've never regretted coming to an altar and praying. Maybe you just want to pray in your pew. But we're going to give you just three or four minutes, and then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer. Um, Lord, help us just to be obedient in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.